Jamie Fitzgerald, pushing the boundaries of what we might call extracurricular activities, you have walked unaided to the South Pole. You currently hold a world record for rowing 5,000 kilometres across the Atlantic Ocean. Your work experiences through Intrepid NZ and First Crossings are more than daring, and recreating the first pioneers to New Zealand certainly have been some extraordinary experiences. But at the same time, key process messages are relatable to those in the agriculture industry. We were lucky to have you join us as an after-dinner speaker at our winter seminar, and I'd like to follow up on a few points of interest from that presentation. Cool. So, rowing across the Atlantic, day two, you hit bad weather with severe winds, currents working against you. What decision-making process followed, and can you tell about you know, when things got really tough. <laughs> well, it certainly brought back some pretty bad memories to me when I when I reflect on that day two storm. It was it was really miserable. But you see, the interesting thing about decision making is that at least what we did was we defaulted to what best practice was, or what we would believe uh, or taught was best practice. And for us, that was using some analysis of what other crews had done, uh, lessons of tried and true practices, really. And that, and, and, and I've got to say, 90% of the time, that does work. For us, though, on that day, we tried those tried and true methods of how to deal with tough days on an ocean boat, and, and we realised very quickly that it wasn't working. And so mm. what I'm trying to say is, is if you're going to fail, fail fast. Yeah. But we realised that, that, that the approach wasn't working and so we changed how we were assessing the situation mm. and we found a new solution. And for us that means just not going backwards. Uh, and it turns out that, that we changed the method for how we made decisions for the rest of the, the, that race for the rest of the five weeks and it worked in our favour. So we were using what worked but actually we were trying to learn and become smarter along the way. And the way that I think about that now is what gets us to the top of the first mountain may not get us to the top of the second. Mm. Uh, and that's a phrase that we use a, use a lot around trying to always become smarter and, and our decision-making tomorrow has to evolve from perhaps how we made decisions yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Staying informed and flexible, I suppose, is truly part of that too, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, and... And uh, I heard someone say the other day, um, if you don't like change, you'll like irrelevance even less. Yeah. And so <laughs> the way that I interpret that is, you know, we have to keep learning. Um, we have to use data. We have to be analytical about how we make decisions. Um, but we also need to use our gut and our judgment and, and kind of how we feel about things. And we need to know that we're getting smarter along the way. Mm. Cool. So for your trip to walk unaided to the South Pole, there was a significant level of planning that went into it, such as your gear, training, you know, the weight that you had to tow along with you. Um, can you go into a bit more detail around really that preparation required? Oh, yeah. I mean, I look back on that, that time when I first signed up to do this, you know, I, I, I put it out there about what the goal was. And I think back to then about just how naive I was. I, I, I knew nothing. You know, I'd been to the snow once when I was 16 at high school. 
and that was it, you know. And so when we signed up for this goal, the preparation, my starting point, like it was, it was so so. I was a novice. I was the novice of novices. Yeah. And but the good thing about it is that it it meant it was absolutely fine for us to research and ask anyone in the world, and we. And, and it felt fine for my ego to, to say, look, I don't know anything. Can you tell me what great looks like? Because mm-hmm. I had no, like, my starting point was, you know, it was fine for me to ask anyone. Mm-hmm. And so what that meant was that this gap analysis, like where was I versus where did world class, be, what did that look like? Um, and so on day one, you know, I knew that we'd end up having to drag 160 kilos, 2,000 k's. And so I could test myself with however many tyres, how, how far can I go with six tyres dragged behind me. And I was a wreck the first day, and I hated it. Like, we went 500 metres, and it was that, that was it. And, but then by measuring your progress, you can see how much you get better over time. And I'm so pleased that when it came to preparation, we did that gap analysis really early because mm-hmm. it gave us confidence as time went on that we were getting smarter and that we were getting stronger. And even with little things like our ski poles, so that, you know, you're dragging the sled all the way to the pole, so every kilogram, every gram makes a difference. Mm-hmm. So the strays that we lived by during the preparation, we always had, we had this mantra that getting to the start line has to be the hardest challenge. Mm-hmm. And so it was preparation. Yeah. And so even we took, a, a, we took a layer of paint off the, our ski poles just to save a few grams. We cut our toothbrushes in half because this preparation was just so, so important to us. And, and knowing that we were going to end up losing a lot of body weight and, and, and knowing that we were never going to be able to take enough food for, our, for ourselves to sustain body weight, um, we just knew that if we didn't do the hard work both physically and mentally beforehand, we knew that there would be no shops down there. Mm. You know, there's no corner dairy that you can slip <laughs> off and get a, a, a jug of milk or something. So we, um, it, it made it so much more useful for us from day one to ask the question, what does what does best practice look like and how far off are we? Mm. And, and just be open with ourselves that we had a long way to go. But mm. that means that we can celebrate progress as we prepare. Yeah, right. So one of the um, key quotes during your presentation that you gave was, if you don't know what you stand for, you'll fall for anything. So again, sort of dropping back into the previous question, but what is the importance of having a plan, i.e. whether it's the personal plan or a business plan or even an event plan? Yeah, well, yeah, so, so in terms of knowing what you stand for, that preparation one for me, that's definitely a principle of what I stand for. But there are lots of others, you know, what do we stand for? And you've just mentioned it then. First of all, having a plan, you know, if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. So you need to know at least that all of us, and every single one of us, you know, we're working hard. We all want to be the best that we can be, whether you're, you know, you're farming, uh, whether you're trying to get to the South Pole, whether you're trying to raise money for a charity that you're passionate about. You know, we need to know what the goal is. Um, otherwise, we're sort of meandering along, not sort of, you know, just putting in effort. Mm. So having this plan is always, or, and having a goal is, is always one of these principles that I stand for um, mm. as, as well. 
when it comes to things like safety, for example, one of the things that I stand for is getting home safe, getting home as friends, and getting home successful, but in that order. And, you know, when, when the heat comes on or when the, the testosterone is running high <laughs> or when you're in some sort of situation and it's pissing with rain or the condition, you know, and, and you're in the heat of the moment, it's really important to have some of these principles that, that are in the back of your brain for your, the whole team to have in the back of their brain around what's really important. And safety for us, that one, what I mentioned about safety, mm. that got us out of quite a few tough challenges when we're standing next to crevasses or a big raging river. And, and one of us might have been tempted just to have a crack and just get on with it or, or it might make it for a good TV show. <laughs> when actually, if it didn't tick all of these boxes on safety, uh, the permission to call it out. And that, and that actually was really useful for us because it stops it turning into a fist fight um, mid-ocean or something because one person thought the other was, you know, a softie or whatever. Mm. There were these principles about what we stood for, which were the rock star yeah. and not me or the other guys in my team. Yeah, and I suppose you could turn that on its head too and, and having conversations about opportunities and being able to really you know, look at these quite clearly as whether they actually do benefit you or it's the excitement involved with oh, those as well. Oh, com- completely. And, and, you know, if there's, if there's one thing I've learned about communication or when things get tense and, and we're having to give feedback to each other or everyone's tired or, or anything like that, um, giving feedback's tough. But mm. what I've always, what I've learned over time is that we need to always focus on the behaviour, not the person. Mm. You know, when we're giving feedback to someone that they might be doing something wrong or they might be doing something right, it's more effective and it's less confrontational if we focus on what is the behaviour or the example that's just happened rather than jumping straight to a judgement about them as a person. Mm. Uh, Because that's not useful for them, they'll probably feel a bit more threatened. Uh, and it's actually not useful for the, the situation and, and stopping it from happening again. Um, so, you know, in these tense situations, how we communicate with each other can be really, really important. Yeah. So when you set off to walk across the South Pole, you did hit some really, you know, great challenges when getting started to the point where two steps forward were leading you five steps back. So the conversations between yourself and Kevin were getting negative, starting to doubt the goal and your ability to succeed. How did you really hunker down and, and change or get your mindset back on track? <laughs> no, that, honestly, that first week on the ice, I cannot think of a time that was much in my life that was much more miserable than those seven days. It was, like the guy who flew us in, he dropped us off like 20 k's further away from the South Pole than what he was meant to. And it was just a misery. So you're right, you know, the conversations were getting bad. We even started talking about, you're right, uh, changing the entire goal. You know, and we're only a week into this thing that was meant to be three months worth of, you know, expedition. And we were suddenly, you know, thinking, changing what, what we're even trying to trying to do. And, and yeah. that's, the, yeah, it was really, really dark. We had these things on the ice, uh, Kevin and I, we, we called them flame days. And 
what we meant by that was when we were talking to each other, um, that it was um, if a plane landed, would you get on just to escape and go home? And and thankfully it turned out that Kevin and I we didn't actually ever have a plane day on the same day. Yeah. Uh, and and thankfully a plane never landed for us to even act on that either. But um, but but it, it was quite useful recognizing uh, what was happening in mm-hmm. our heads and and having a way to, to to talk about it. So so a week into the the trip we. We, re- we recognised how bad the conversations were going, mm. and thankfully we had this aha moment that we needed to stop, and instead of just going down the spiral of doom, we focused instead on what is it that we're fundamentally here to achieve, what's the goal, and let that determine how we respond. Mm. So let's not let the event and the storm and the soft snow dictate how our behaviour was going to be, and, and more importantly, what our mindset was going to be. Yeah. Uh, instead of us feeling like that was happening to us, yep, let's accept the conditions, but yeah. let's instead choose to be deliberate and, and take control of how we thought about it. And that uh, was a critical moment that changed. It didn't change the soft snow or the crevasses, mm. but it changed the way we approached and ultimately progress for us. Yeah. And during that trip, there was a key form of revision that you undertook every day. Um, what was that? Yeah. So, so in a really simple little example, we um, we would we'd, have, we'd share stories every day. And so, and it was stories of other people who had done good stuff. And so we would say, look, what, and it was, it actually took 52 days to walk to the South, South Pole. So, if any of your listeners know Kevin, don't tell him this, but I started making stories up because uh, I ran out, I couldn't think of any others. But we would talk about people who had done good stuff and we would, after telling the story of, of others who had succeeded in their goals, we would say, what would that look like for us here on the ice tomorrow? And what we meant by, by going through this process was let's try and change the way we talk, which will change the way we think, which will then change the way we behave. So if we could focus our conversations on stuff that worked and was useful, it might change the way we process things in our head mm. and think about our situation, which can then change the way we behave, which it, which leads to better performance. And, and for us on the ice, it was progress. Mm. Um, but, the, the, but being able to trick our own minds or, or play kind of tricks on our own brains to get us into the right headspace, yeah. that was really, really important. Um, yeah. Cool. And and I suppose part of that too was a bit of revision, and through that process, and I suppose celebrating, you know, when there was successes was part of that journey as well. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, and and we we even did little things like had lines on the tent. You, you know, always focusing on progress um, but what we're learning along along the way. Like these lines on the tent reflected the degrees of latitude you know, towards 90 degrees south and just being able to focus on these tiny little milestones knowing mm. that there's a huge journey ahead of us but just focusing on getting to the next line or um, you know, when I had the sensing business doing 
is a key refer and, and um, you know, in the Bay of Plenty. You know, we, we have some pretty mammoth tasks ahead of us, but let's just focus on this one block mm. and let's have a tiny reward once we've done that and let's then we'll, you know, go to the next block and things. So just breaking it down into tiny manageable chunks um, and, and making a big deal out of it, even if the reward is tiny and, and kind of um, trivial, making a big deal out of that celebration, mm. it, it sort of changes the culture of the team. Yeah, awesome. So how do you advise those that might be starting their career in the agriculture industry or who may have a farm or business ownership goals ahead of them, progress or get started? Yeah, so if I think about my own career journey, I could never have predicted the trajectory or the types of things that I've done. If 20 years ago you you sort of sat me down and you said, Jamie, you're, you're, you're doing some farm fencing now, uh, you're then going to go into banking, throw an ocean, do some other stuff, do some other stuff, and, and that's, you know, I, ne- I never would have had that on a page uh, and and had a plan to achieve to achieve those things. Um, so I need to acknowledge that. But what I can say, and I and I encourage people to to do, is for me, one thing that's been consistent throughout is being um, open to uh, receiving and um, accepting opportunities, mm-hmm. or putting myself in a position. Um, and having the enthusiasm that people put an opportunity in front of me, or they think of me as an option when something comes up. Yeah. Uh, and so I'd like to think that because of the attitude that I try and take to life, uh, that people think, oh, you know what? I need I need an ambitious kind of guy that's got who I can trust, who I can count on. I've got this thing. Can I can I ask him to help me out with it? And I want to be that guy that people think of. Mm. And so, um, so being open uh, and uh, open to opportunities, and and if they feel right in your gut, then just go for it. The mm. other thing that if I if I was to um, you know when I meet people sort of starting their career, um, you know what we focus on becomes our reality. And mm. so by being really clear on what your goal is, and and not being afraid to share that goal with other people. Mm. Or even better, share the goal with people that you don't want to let down. You yeah. know, if you tell your best mate, if you fail, your best mate's kind of obliged to still be your best mate. <laughs> if you tell someone, you know, that you really don't want to let down what your goal is, science tells us that there's a better chance that you'll achieve it. Mm. So, so, be, so make sure you get comfortable with being open to opportunities, get comfortable with getting outside your comfort zone and get comfortable with choosing or, or putting a goal on the wall that's a little bit scary uh, mm. and telling people. Yeah. And so I think that's applicable to anyone coming through the sector because yeah. uh, there is opportunities out there. With the right attitude, you can get people looking at you as the one that can help. Mm. And with the right goal, there's enough opportunity in the sector to, have, to, to do some really good stuff. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Thank you. Thanks, Jamie, for that. Um, some words of wisdom. That's awesome. Oh, no problem. It's been awesome. Fun to chat.
come. 